So for a few weeks now, we've been going through an evangelism sermon. We're talking about how to share your faith. Now, our culture has been indoctrinated with the idea that you share your faith by doing good works. We have been doing good works. And so during the service, I'm going to encourage you to use Slack and, uh, and, and that's going to be great. I'm going to be asking questions. But we've been encouraged to do good works. And St. Francis of Assisi says, says, share your faith. And where necessary, use words. But I think St. Francis was a little bit off there because, because the sharing of your faith is using words. Your actions are your integrity that make your works, your words, have weight. So what St. Francis was seeing was he was seeing a whole lot of people who didn't have any integrity. And he was saying, get integrity. So as Christians, all these years later, we're like, oh yeah, we're just all about integrity. And we've abandoned the command of God to share our faith. So today is our final sermon on evangelism. We have a forum tomorrow, and I'm going to consider the exhortation given to Timothy by Paul. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom... Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming and has already come when people will not endure sound teaching. Amen. But they have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. YouTube, anyone? And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering at the time, and the time of my departure has not yet come, and I am fighting. I will fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hence, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who have loved his appearing. Here is your question for today. What makes you ready in season and out of season? What makes you ready in season and out of season. On Slack, somebody said, I need to define share your faith because good works, um, I'm actually sharing my faith by doing good works. So you might be saying, tell people about your faith. So the word that we're using, if we go back a couple sermons ago, is their Greek words, caruso euangelion, proclaim good news. 
That is what we have brought down to evangelize in English. Caruso euangelion is proclaim good news, which requires words. So what makes you ready in season and out of season? The verse says, be ready in season and out of season. So what does that mean? Consider the verse and, and, and what makes you ready in season and out of season? What do you have to do to be ready? See, I've heard Christians my whole life say, I just want to grow in my faith. I want to grow as a Christian. Well, guess what? That's not automatic. So we had a solution for that. We had a formula. Here's our formula. Read your Bible, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Right? That was our formula. Yet Christians have been doing that, and they feel like they're still stagnant. Taking on the spiritual burden of evangelism is spiritual growth. See, when you engage in the work of evangelism, you rely on God in a unique way that no other time will you rely on God like that. At no other point in your Christian life do you rely on God like you rely on God when you're talking to somebody who does not yet believe in Jesus. You're talking to them about the gospel of Jesus. You have to, you have to be prepared in a totally different way. You need to maintain your preparedness. You need to study the Word. You need to listen. We've talked about listening through the entire series. You need to listen to people's situations. And so doing, you're able to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience. So what does it mean to rebuke with patience? Again, we talked about how Christians think the world's going down the tubes, and we know that Jesus is good, so we have the answer. We know, we know, we know. So then we do this. We become intolerant of other people who are on the process. We demand our way is better than every other way, and we say, yes, you have to do it my way, and you have to do it now, and we become grumpy, demanding people, and, and we say, oh, well, this is, this is what we're going to do, and, and we hold the line because we know that Jesus is good, and we want to enforce that on everybody else, and, and we've lost our patience. We become like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. We want to fight. We want to pull out our swords. And Jesus rebukes Peter with this in Matthew 26, 53. He said, don't you think that I can, can't appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. Don't you think that I could deal with this situation. I don't need your fight. I need you to be patient. Remain patient. You're calling a person to salvation. We talked about salvation. Salvation is calling people out of the evil. It's being removed, re relieved from the evil that is surrounding us. And so we're called to call people into salvation. Jesus is Lord. He's the one who's going to fix the problems. So our integrity compels us to partner with Jesus and do those good works that the first person was talking about here in, in this. Um, I do good works because of my faith. We do good works 
We have integrity, but we can't force the world to be made right in our timeline. When it comes to evangelism, we're to rebuke and exhort with patience. Did you know it's hard to rebuke and exhort with patience? It's hard to come up to somebody and say, hey, what you're doing isn't actually best for you. What you're doing is actually not what God would have you do. Let me show you the right way. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe you, pastor, or I believe you, friend. I believe you, yeah, yeah. And the next day, they're continuing on in the same actions. So a week later, you come alongside and you rebuke and you're like, hey, this is something we need to do. I need you to change. Jesus is calling you to change. Oh, yes, pastor, yes, yes, that's so good. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know how much patience it takes? And how easy it is to reject a person, how easy it is to become intolerant. It's very easy. So what makes you ready in and out of season? You don't let out of season arrive. Interesting. Faith that the Lord will provide what's meant. Have a testimony ready. That's really good advice. Have a testimony ready. To know the story of the good news. There's nothing like practice that makes me ready. So just, just do it. In season and out of season is just about like when I feel like it. And when I don't feel like it. In season is when I'm all revved up because I heard a good, I heard a good motivational talk on telling people about your faith and I'm ready to go and I'm so excited. Out of season, I just got dumped on by my boss and my spouse came home and complained that I didn't do the dishwasher and now I'm like in a crappy mood and now there's a weed man at the door who's for some reason starting to talk about something that's not about his job. Am I ready to share the gospel? That's out of season. In season is when I'm all jacked up, ready to go. Out of season is when I just don't feel like it. See, doing evangelism increases your faith. You want to be a better Christian? You want to be, feel like you're closer to God? You'll never feel closer to God than walking up to a stranger and saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You'll never feel closer to God than walking up to an acquaintance you've walked along with for 10 years who knows that you're a Christian but still lives in their life. You'll never feel closer to God than that moment that God has put it on your heart to say, it's time for you to give up your own ways and to follow Jesus. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you as a pastor, it's terrifying. But it's good. It's good. See, evangelism has a cost to it. Evangelism has a cost. What causes you to not have the energy to invest outside of yourself? That's a slack question I want to hear from you. What causes you to not have energy? What, what, are, the, what are the things for you that say, you're asking me to care about somebody else, but I can't, I, no, nope. What are the things that are, that are stopping you from telling people about your faith, to not have the energy to do it. 
See, when we share our faith, it does have a cost to us. We benefit from it, but we're investing ourselves in other people. And anybody who knows themselves know that anytime you invest yourself in somebody else, there's a cost to you. It's inconvenient. It takes energy. It takes thought. Um, yeah. Paul says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has not yet come. So I'm fighting, and I will fight, and I've fought the good fight. But there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul dedicated his life to sharing the gospel all over southern Europe. And at the end of his life, the end of his life, he's considering the investment he made, and he says, I'm, I'm poured out like a drink offering. I've fought. I've finished. Well, was it worth it? Paul, was it worth it? And he considers the eternal reality of the kingdom of God and the award that's coming. And it far outweighs the cost. When you take up the mantle of sharing your faith, you are engaging in people's spiritual reality. You're engaging with them in a way that nobody else does. Honestly, every single person has a spiritual reality, and they need to be engaged in it. You start talking at Carrot Fest with people, and all of a sudden, they start opening their mouth and telling you about their spiritual reality. You're like, whoa. It comes out like a flood of them, because there's no social environment in our secular world to talk about your spiritual reality. See, evangelism is practicing our spiritual authority in Jesus Christ. The spiritual reality of the world is this. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus is Lord of this world and all who are in it. Jesus is gracious and loving and is pursuing the willing from everybody who breathes this air. The spiritual reality of the world is Satan has been defeated, but he still deceives and holds captive people in lies. Evangelism proclaims spiritual reality in the world. So what is something that you would say is a spiritual reality? Actually, I want to I revisit what causes you to not have energy. So what caused you to not have energy? Um, the assumption that my audience is already turned off by religious talk. Before, it was more of a confidence thing, but I've grown more confident over the years to share my faith. I know at times it's ignoring the prompts of the Holy Spirit and chalking it up to my overthinking. Something that stops me from investing the emotional energy in other people is when you don't even have energy for yourself. Someone says, I like to plan. Important conversations take planning. You are right, they do. Oftentimes, you want to be able to be prepared with a testimony, for example, with a story. You pre-pray about things. So what are some things that you would say is a spiritual reality? When we proclaim the good news of Jesus and his lordship, we're practicing our spiritual authority over the lives of Satan, and we're working in the hearts of those in the world. As we grow as Christians, we need to practice evangelism. It doesn't mean that you're going to be successful, and it means you're going to faithfully proclaim Jesus' victory. It means that you're going to be poured out and that you might be denying yourself. I read Luke 9.23 in a totally different way last week. 
If anybody would come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Fear stops us from evangelism, but fear is a feeling that we have, and there's an element where Jesus says, okay, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That fear, if you remember Mark's, Mark's message last week where he talked about his fear of evangelizing, he steps through it, and we step through it. We're not to be controlled by our feelings. I know what it feels like to be poured out. It feels like showing up at 5 in the morning for a meeting that you don't even know why you're there. It feels like putting effort in when there's no production. It feels like wasted energy. Paul's being poured out. As you evangelize, you will be poured out. But notice, Paul doesn't take it as a negative. He takes it as a pro, as this is a promise of enrichment. He takes it as an investment into vindication when God proves his gospel as true. I spoke the truth all throughout my life, and when Jesus comes, I'm vindicated. Yes, indeed, I was right. I didn't fall down to the lies of the world that said, oh, when is the Lord coming back? It's been over 2,000 years. Jesus is not coming back. No, I held firm on my faith, and I proclaimed the return of Jesus. And when he returns, I'm vindicated. And there's a reward that comes with that. It's right in our Bible verse. Look at that. It says, the righteous judge will award to me on that day the crown of righteousness. So what is a spiritual reality? Sometimes I feel like I don't get to know enough or haven't read enough scripture, read the good word. I need to get out of that way of thinking and realize that even just trying to introduce to somebody to Jesus, to elevate them alongside of you is, evan is evangelical in a sense. Absolutely. From my past life, it's definitely a huge mind switch from approaching people and asking what they want to buy to, hey, can I talk to you about God? We live in a culture that says, that, that says offending me is the worst crime. We fear offending others, and the, ex the exclusive gospel is offensive. It says you don't do it your way, you do it Jesus' way. Look, there's a, there's, there's a conclusion here that I want to call to. We've gone a lot about sharing our faith, but some of us simply want Jesus to be the pathway to a good life. We like the promise that Jesus is Savior because he's going to save me from all the evil in the world in this mess. We like the promise that Jesus is Christ because it means that I can have a relationship with God and I can talk to God and I can pray like we practice. We like the promise. But I don't know how comfortable we are and I don't know how comfortable we should ever be with the third part, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Today, I'm, we're closing out the service with the call that Jesus Lord. The Lord is the owner of the land, and Jesus claims ownership over the entire planet, over the entire universe. It is the one who is Lord that has the authority to command. For some of us, we want to have the benefits of living on the Lord's land, but not submitting to the Lord's command. And there's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. You're called to be an individual, called to be part of a community who lives under the authority 
of Jesus' lordship. We are commanded to submit ourselves to, the Jesus, to Jesus who is the Lord. Your life and your entirety is not your own, but it's devoted to Jesus in all your ways. So sometimes we think we can just believe things in our minds, and that's enough. But Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And the lordship of Jesus is a position of authority. So if you look to Jesus as Savior, the one who will remove evil, but do not hold to Jesus as Lord, you hold on to the very evil that God is removing. If you look to Jesus' as Savior as the one who will remove evil, but do not acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your entire life, whatever you're holding on to is part of the exact evil that God is removing in the person of Jesus. We need to allow Jesus' lordship to become complete in us. Today it's being called into you. I don't know what it is in you. There may, there may be nothing, but this is a time where you look inside of your heart. Is there something that needs to bow the knee to the command of Jesus? Is there something in you that you've been trying to hold back on, a habit, an action, a lifestyle, a value that's not surrendered to Jesus? Is there something in you that you're saying, no, God, I believe that you're Savior. I believe that you're good. I believe that you want nice things for all the people. But you can't have that. Jesus' lordship, he owns it. He owns everything. And we don't like it in our culture. We don't like to be owned. But when we follow the gospel, when we say, Jesus, I give you my life, even that part, even that part that I was trying to retain control of, then God comes in and he washes it and he makes it work for his glory, for his kingdom, and maybe for us, it's fear. See, telling people about Jesus will grow your faith. Telling people about the good news of Jesus will sometimes feel like wasted energy. Telling people about the good news of Jesus will be repaid to you with the crown of righteousness that will be given for all those who loved his appearing. But it starts with us saying, okay, Jesus, you are Lord. You are my Lord. You take my life. You take every part of it. And we see Jesus washing things out of us. It's not somebody coming and pointing a finger at you and saying, oh, you have to fix this and this. It's something inside. I was talking to someone in our church a few weeks ago, and they, they were listing all these things that they thought that Jesus was going to remove from their life. And all of a sudden, from nowhere, they're like, God's changing my language. Like, I'm not swearing as much. That's so weird. I didn't think that was the issue. But that was the issue. It was Pastor Danielle. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we're seeing that, that God changes us in his time. I want us to take a moment while I pray and consider your heart. Are you willing to follow the authority, the lordship of Jesus in every area? If you're willing, that's, that's where we go. That's the move.
Jesus makes it the reality. The Holy Spirit makes it the reality. It's our willingness that we're looking at. Let's, cl let's close in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, here am I. Send me. I know it's going to cost. I know it's not always going to be easy. Here am I. Send me. Jesus, I pray that you'd make that our prayer. That we would be people of humility, patience. That we would offer up to you the areas of our life that we've held on to for so long. And we would say, Jesus, your Lord, you take over. That we would offer up our reluctance to step into obedience, maybe in evangelism, and say, Jesus, here am I, take over. Jesus, I pray that you would lead us into powerful times of spiritual growth as we step into sharing our faith. Give us sharpness. Allow us to understand our testimony. Allow us to understand what the gospel is. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Savior. Jesus, you are Messiah. And God, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we would have boldness to speak while we continue to do good works in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen.